Hello and welcome to the Homeless Season Podcast. Today, we're here with Christian. Hey, Christian. I do. Good. And we're here with Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Ron. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and the ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certs, or any YAML. Christian, yeah, welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, where, where are you from? Where, how, are you, how did you get here? So I'm from the UK, a uh, small town in Yorkshire called Halifax. Um, probably, unless you know the bank, you've probably never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. funny. But that's awesome. So, I mean, why don't we just jump right into it, Christian? I mean, uh, Home Assistant Podcast, obviously you're you're into home automation, you're into all of that stuff. Um, what got you into it? Okay. So... I've always been into sort of electronics since a young age, since high school, um, always tinkered. And it was like my journey sort of started before Home Assistant existed, um, always trying to find like a way to automate a task. Or um, it started with like curtains, just simply wanting to open my curtains with like a motor, um, playing around with some Arduino knows, trying to code that and failing miserably. Um, nice. Eventually moved into my own house um, in 2017 and playing around with some Raspberry Pis. And then I think I was looking on, I think it was AliExpress, must be an AliExpress or Wish or Banggood or something. Um, Mm -hmm. Came across the Sonoff Basics, the first generation models. Um, Ordered a couple of them, thought they looked cool. Just thought, oh yeah, can control a lamp from my phone. That's that's cool. Um, And then I wanted it to work with HomeKit. So yeah. I started Googling, as you do, just started looking on GitHub for solutions to that. And the first one I came across was, um, what was it called now? Home Homebridge. Um, Homebridge, that's it. So I installed that, had a tinker with that. I didn't really know much about coding at that point. Um, very new to it all. And um, wanted to start getting more and more. Obviously, the, the sooner, the, as soon as you get one lab working, you start ordering another five Sonoff Basics. At the time, get the bulk offers, get the get the discount, um, and then start started trying to add more and more, and started struggling with the code and knowing actually how to get multiple of them working without having the multiple Raspberry Pis. Yeah, um, and that sort of led me on to to Home Assistant, which at the time was very daunting to move over to because it was all YAML based in 2017, or mainly YAML based. But yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's how it started, just uh, with a single sign off basic, as most people. Are you still maintaining a lot of the YAML pieces or have you moved over to UI wherever you can? Or uh, So I moved into this house three months ago. Um, oh, nice. So I actually started with a whole brand new Home Assistant instance. I really mm. shouldn't have because it's been an absolute pain um, to move everything over, which has already already worked so well in the previous version. Um, yeah. But yeah, now everything is pretty much UI-based. There's only a couple of YAML configurations i've got left nice okay as part of the move in, in when you moved house did you like oh i always find it like as a good time to like you know start fresh and you know, do a clean cut because i guess you know when you're moving house you know the rooms aren't necessarily the same you may have a different living room two living rooms one living room um different number of bedrooms um were you able to pull out all your 
Sonoff devices? Like, were they hardwired into your other house and you were able to bring them over, or did you have to leave them behind? How was how did the move go? So I actually I actually got rid of the Sonoffs a while back. Um, I had them mm-hmm. for about three three years ish, so up mm-hmm. to maybe about twenty twenty. Um, and during lockdown, I started switching everything over to um, Xiaomi, the Xiaomi Acara platform. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Got myself a Xiaomi Hub, um, one of the original first-gen ones. You could just extract the key from that straight away, and it just worked worked flawlessly in Home Assistant. Um, so everything in the house that we moved from was a Firewire Xiaomi Acara, because um, the wiring in the UK is, is an absolute mess unless you live in a house built in the past 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that all did come with me to the new place. Um, I actually went every viewing we we went to when we were looking for a house. I I took a screwdriver with me so that I could look at the wiring behind the switches. Nice. Um, I didn't get away with that every single time, so that was like a deal breaker a lot of the time. If we weren't able to check the wiring, I was like, no, we're not we're not moving there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, luckily, this place still has the old wiring, so I was able to. I well, I didn't have to purchase many you know a whole new set of switches. Interesting. Okay. And and were you looking for neutrals and like a bunch of that kind of stuff or? Yeah, I mean neutrals would have been nice because then you can use like dimmers and, and yeah, you know, your options get so much more. The the, the the net you can cast when you're looking online for products is much wider. Yeah, um, but in a way, it was kind of nice that I could just sort of take that setup from the old place, stick it in the new place, and it was just reconfiguring everything on Home Assistant. Um, and I've since moved everything over to uh, Zigbee now as well. Um, so I got rid of the Xiaomi Hub because, you know, privacy concerns and all that, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I got a. Um, I don't know if you've. Do you have Aldi over where you guys live? Yep. I don't. You you do, uh, Phil. So yeah, yeah. It's, I know um, what it is. Though. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a cheap supermarket shopping brand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they actually weirdly have their own. It was either Aldi or Lidl, I can't remember actually which one it was, but they have their own Zigbee hub, and there's a, a guide online on how to hack that hub and turn it into a Home Assistant compatible. So that cost me like £12 for that. Um, I probably could have found one on AliExpress that just works near the way. <laughs> but as I said, I like Tinker. I like to tinker. Um, so that, yeah, that that runs all the all the Zigbee devices, which every Akara device I had just we worked perfectly just in the yeah. yard. So what? So you moved over from a Wi-Fi based, I'm guessing like Sonoff. Now you've gone to Zigbee. Um, yeah. So does that include all the wall switches? Everything's Zigbee. Uh, I don't have many wall switches, um, but the ones I do, I did move over to Zigbee. Yeah, I think I had two: uh, one for my mm-hmm. 3D printer and one for an actual printer. Yep. How right, right, right. many Zigbee devices do you have on your network? Just out of curiosity. Oh, that's a good question. Um, let me have a look. 18 currently. 18? 18. Okay, cool. I um, I have 63, I think. <laughs> um, and is that on one I, hub or is that on multiple? So that's on one hub. Um, and that's doing um, – it's from a – combi usb stick that's plugged directly into home assistant mm-hmm. um and i'm just going to confirm that i have sorry 64 devices my apologies um i am having issues with my zigbee at the moment because i have so many devices um yeah. for whatever reason like random devices will just be marked as unavailable um and i'll have to go and repair them 
um, which is really frustrating. Um, they'll just work and then all of a sudden it's as if they just drop off. They go get marked as unavailable. I've got many a Philips Hubel, many, uh, I've got an IKEA signal repeater. So I've got enough routers on the Zigbee network to have, like to support that number of devices. It's just so frustrating. Um, and I know this isn't just a, an isolated issue. It's not a fill issue. I've seen other people on Twitter comment on, you know, like this, you know, happens to me all the time too. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's so Well, I think it's, they typically say like 64 is the upper limit, right? Yeah. Like usually. Have I reached that limit? Maybe. Okay, I'll have to do some Googling. But I, I don't thought, know. That's, yeah. that's what I keep hearing, but. Might be worth just sticking another hub in somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to avoid that. I used to have yeah. uh, three running at one point. Um, oh, wow. I had, yeah, multiple instances of Zigbee to MQTT running. I had uh, my house split in like half, you know, one Zigbee controller at one end, the other at the other end. It just then becomes a nightmare of, you know, when there this happens. Some, there might be some tuning you can do too. I don't know. Like just uh, check if there's any, I guess if there's any like noise, like how much noise there is and such, right? Because I mean... I don't know if you custom set your channels like, and stuff like that, but yeah, I've I've done all that. I've done the USB extension cable. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I don't know. I don't know what the issue is. I'm, I'm having the same issue with one of my devices, but it's a really basic Sonoff uh, door sensor that I just I'm, I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's just uh, I've had it for five years, and I just thought, well, it's probably just broke at this point. But it's yeah, cheap to replace, and if it does happen again, then I know there's an issue, but. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. one, yeah, one little device on my on my network that's happened with. Might be a range thing too, right? Depending on yeah, it could be. Um, and I guess depending if your house is built with concrete or drywall, whatever, right? Um, yeah, I know we had so, an issue at the previous house. Sorry, Phil. Um, no, go for it. Go for it. We had a, uh, a uh, the gas company come out to try and fit a smart meter because um, it's mm. like it's. I think it's the law now in the UK that you have to have a smart meter if mm. if a new system gets installed or something but they kept bugging me about it just week after week i said go, go on then just install it um they tried three times and it's actually basically the the meter that they tried to install was a zigbee meter um and they, for whatever reason they couldn't get it to work and i assumed that it was because of the zigbee networking interfering with it but that that they couldn't get to the bottom of it so i i, I didn't end up getting the smart meter <laughs> i asked them like can I just connect it to my own system? They're like, no, absolutely not. We need to see. We need to see how much gas you're using. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because oh, our electricity grid in Australia, well, at least where I am in the state, I am in Victoria. Um, our electricity grid is based on Zigbee, and I have a Rainforest Eagle that you know connects up to the Zigbee smart meter and just you know says hello. Yep, I'm here. I would also like to know what is being consumed. Yeah. So surely there would be like a similar product that could be done for gas if not yeah just well i know some some use um like you can just cl- uh, connect a uh, radio to your almost set up and kind of just sniff the air see what it picks up right so depending on what that is you may be able to do that but do they my question christian was do they do they give you a little hub that you have to plug in on your side or how does that work they but yeah they basically just give you a little digital lcd that just sits in your kitchen and it connects straight back to the hub. You can see what's consumed, but then obviously it feeds all the information back to their HQ as well. That's nice, but I mean, it seems kind of Well, people don't like weird. it because obviously 
it yeah it's one more thing in your house one more thing in your house and you know you end up meter watching and you Mm. every every time you put the kettle on or every time you put the gas stove on Mm -hmm. you you watch the counter go up whereas if you just pay it monthly you don't have to think about it so (laughs) i I mean it's it's good it's good in that sense right like i mean it's uh but however it's still yes it's another thing yeah another thing on the network another interference device Totally, totally, right? I'm surprised they don't use, like, LoRa or something like that to just run their own stuff and pull it, but... Yeah, this was one specific company. They've all got their own now. They're all pushing their own own devices. They all use different networks and different, you know, different uh, models and et cetera. Mm. Uh, Some use generic ones, some use purpose-built ones. That sounds like even more of a red flag to me. Like, we have... um, Every, like, once a quarter, once every six months, people will knock on my door and try and sell me these free energy monitors that, you know, this company wants to put in my house. And you can just tell, like, they're trying to monetize my data somehow. It feels shady, you know. And then when I tell them, oh, I've got a smart home. I don't need any of this. I'm already monitoring it. What are you monitoring? Have you got this sensor? How are you doing it? Where's it going? I'm like, just leave me alone, right? Like, Do you need instructions or? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah, the fact that you know these are all doing their own thing. So I'm guessing what you have to have a, a little smart device on your kitchen counter that then plugs into yep. your internet to send your billing information over to them. How's the security yep. on their device? Like, are they just creating a backdoor into your local network? It seems all a bit. Yeah, shady I've never personally had one. I, I, so I I'm not sure if they connect to the Wi-Fi or not. I, I, I'm assuming mm-hmm. it, they'll have to in some way, shape, or form. But. um if it's anything like sensors that I've worked with personally in my career, then they'll probably have like 4G backups built into them and stuff like that. Yeah, cellular backups so that if someone changes the SSID password, mm-hmm. you yeah. can still get a grab all get your data. And, and, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so fascinating. Um, so yeah. you've got Zigbee now. Um, so are you using any other protocols around the house like ESP home any mqtt stuff going on yeah so it's a combination of mainly zigbee and um esp home um i did start off um like i said when i got the son of basic um and homebridge all started with tasmota and that was like the big interest mm. um sort of the, the, that piqued my interest massively at the, at the time i think i was one of the first versions of tasmota i was on because it was back in 2017 um it wasn't it hadn't been out for too long um so i watched it grow and grow and grow and get better and better um multiple times re having to reset the device pull the device out of the ceiling and reflash it because of the firmware update broke it and i didn't read the the uh the breakable changes and stuff um eventually so at some point during lockdown i um I, w- I think it was a project i was working on i was trying to do a very specific thing um, and I always just defaulted to Tasmota because that's what I knew. That's, I, that's what I, I knew how to use it. I knew all the documentation. I could read through it very easily and find what I needed to find. But I can't remember what it was now. I think it was like some sort of temperature sensor I was trying to do or um, like a, a light sensor or something. I just, oh, it was fans. That was it. Um, completely unrelated. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to make a fan controller um, using 12-volt um, fans. Um, and I just couldn't figure it out for some reason. There, there wasn't many people who'd done it with Tasmota, but there was loads of people who'd done it with ESP Home. And much like the move to Home Assistant from Homebridge, that was, again, quite daunting because it's all YAML-based still, to the, even to this day, and it's all this new 
documentation you've got to read through and it's just a whole lot of time has to be invested into it yeah and obviously then you do one you're going to want to do the rest as well you're going to want to move all your other devices over to it um, but i took the plunge and it worked just so well that i was like right i'm i'm going to scrap off tasmota completely move completely over to esp home and now i've got i think it's something like i mean it's only about 15 devices but um i've got some fairly complex stuff built built into them do you run your uh home assistant instance uh through a full like home assistant os or do you do uh docker do you do standard install on, on a pi so i've tried all of them um yeah originally it was on a pi as, as like, most people start off with yeah but it's currently running on a proxmox vm yep um and the proxmox host is just a I think it's an eighth gen Intel um, Dell Optiflex that I got for five pounds from work. Nice. Solid, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the old stocks that they were giving out for cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. And then, and then, are you like, how are you running it though? Is it uh, is it a uh, like, are you running the Home Assistant OS? So do yeah, you Home Assistant OS. Yeah. Okay. How are you yeah. finding the stability of that? It's amazing. It's, I've never yeah. had any issues with it. It's as long as the host can handle what you're telling it to give the VM. Like it's 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 just it's the best way to run it, in my opinion. Um, yeah, if you've yeah. got the hardware, because obviously you can run other stuff alongside it as well. You're not having to have you know load, a separate device for Docker, a separate device for mm. you know, is it frigate or frigate? I, I never know how That's to pronounce it. I, I usually say the first frigate. It's like the Skonos gun. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the um, you could just have everything on one machine, um, and as long as you're yeah. utilizing the hardware correctly, like I think it barely even hits twenty percent CPU usage. Yeah, 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 nice. Yeah, I I, I suggested somebody uh, suggested to somebody that they use the OS uh, on on a Pi or whatever, and uh, yeah, it uh, didn't go too well. He spent all day moving all of his sensors over and something oh, no. uh and then at the end of it died <laughs> was oh, like, oh, brutal. for me it's the the, the so. redundancy as well if you build up a build proper redundancy into proxbox you you just you're never going to lose it you, you're never going to yeah. lose home yeah. your yeah. instance obviously we're at a point now where it's, it's kept up to date so much and it's so stable that we'd never really run into the same issues that we had back in the yaml days Mm-hmm. Where, you, where your entire home assistant instance gets corrupt, um, or the SD card dies, etc. But I've got a Proxmox backup server in as well, and that's only got a two terabyte SSD in it, and that can hold probably six to twelve months worth of home assistant backups, um, backing yeah. up daily. So it's um, I, anytime I mess some code up, or you know, I want to go back to revert the past 12 hours of uh, testing or tinkering that I've just done just click a button and it's there yeah 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 yeah. that's nice Fair maybe enough. you should look into Proxmox yeah upgrade do you have a are you, do you have a server that you're running right now Phil I have like an old PC not like a full yeah, server yeah do I need a full server I have no idea I need to do my no you don't need a full server no just depends what Sorry. you want to do with it if you want hardware encoding I'd go with uh, hardware acceleration, go with 8th gen or higher, basically. Mm. Intel yeah. Nook as well, it, it run absolutely fantastically on that. So I want to eventually, once I can afford yeah. to buy two of them, I want to move everything over to 
Intel Nook, and then it can literally just live in a cupboard. Yeah, oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. I literally I have a tab open with Nooks right now, and it's just like, because <laughs> eventually I'd like to turn off my server. It's just loud, a lot of power, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so yeah energy usage is a big one, yeah. yeah. I just, I hate the thought of like all these old machines in my house, like going to waste. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd rather reuse a old computer, knowing that because if Home Assistant could run on a Raspberry Pi, then it can run on like mm-hmm. this hardware, right? Um, oh yeah, definitely. But then, yeah, you do look at like the nooks and stuff, and like, yeah, I do like the the idea of being able to plug it all in, put it in a cupboard as if it's like a hub, like even like a Home Assistant blue or yellow. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I've well, actually I mean, got I'll... a nook that's. Oh, in that. pieces at the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of friends too that are just doing the whole like let's just take old off lease um, like mini PC things. Mm. And one of one of my buddies actually runs uh, Plex off of it and stuff like that. And it has uh, I forget what it's called, but it's basically hardware acceleration on the Intel uh, processors. Yeah, right? and it. Like he had well, last time I was over at his house, he just had um, glances running, and it, like it was barely breathing. Like it was sorry, it was barely like breathing heavy at all. Like yeah, that's cool. So yeah, so it's uh, not that's not a bad uh, choice there either, right? So yeah, it's, it just runs fantastically. The, the the main reason I chose Proxmox is because I eventually wanted when I could get hold of one, which I now have, I wanted mm-hmm. to pass through. Um, some PCI um, M uh, M dot two uh, corals through for free uh, for FreeGate, yeah. Um, and there's just loads of documentation and, and help online, and you can just you know very easily post in the GitHub on how to do it if you've got any issues through yeah. to the to the VM instance for to, for it to take advantage of it. Whereas if you're doing stuff like Docker, if um, if everything runs on Docker, or you've got like Synology or even Raspberry Pi, um, another home yellow supports that natively i think um but if you want more than one um i, I purchased two of them i managed to get hold of two of them next yep. day delivery as well which was insane Ooh. having a year and a half to try to find them in stock and then boom i just had them <laughs> um, so yeah i'm just currently that's another project i'm working on at the moment trying to get that working so i have two quick questions before we move before we move on from uh proxmox the you mentioned you've got a, a backup server have you had to test that? What's the, like the recovery time if you do need to restore? Like, is it down for an hour? Or is it pretty quick? Tested it extensively. <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of lots of issues. Lots of because it, it backs everything. I've got two servers running: one a Plex server, and, and then basically like my IoT server. Yeah, um, yeah. With Home Assistant installed on it, um, and some other stuff that uh, like DNS, DHCP, and stuff like that. Um, and it's literally. Uh, a lot of it's running containers as Proxmox containers, and that can be, you know, a restore time anywhere from one to five minutes, depending mm-hmm. on the size of it. Um, obviously, depending on your network speed, disk speed, all these variables. Um, Home Assistant is a bit bigger. It's about 60 gigabytes, um, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, because um, it's, okay. back, it's backed up onto an SSD as well, which helps. Yep. Yeah, it's insanely quick lead times for getting stuff back online. Oh, that is very appealing. Yeah. Do you have a NAS at all? I just use Proxmox. Um, I've got a disk just uh, on the host yeah. and just share that out using um, ZFS. ZFS, okay. Nice. Um, so yeah, you mentioned that you got those corals. So 
how are you doing? It's like you've got cameras around the house. I'm guessing that's why you want to use Frigate. It's like, so what's your sort of camera setup? How have you done that? Um, so I've got, I, I made the mistake of going with the real link. Um, you made the mistake. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, it seems to be, well, looking online, it seems like they're just, they're nothing but issues when it comes to um, the RSTP streams, RT, PM, uh-huh. MPs, PM, whatever streams. Um, yeah. It did actually work fantastically until I started messing around with the coral, um, and now they just don't work at all. <laughs> so I, oh, I am currently oh, trying yeah. to figure that out. I've managed to pass the corals through fine, and they show up and they they brought the um, um, is it the response time on the cameras on the detection from I think you were running at 100, over a hundred milliseconds down to five. Wow! Um, so that the CPU usage just dropped instantly. Um, but for some reason, it's it's not the corals I'm having issues with. It's the actual hardware, um, the, uh, hardware acceleration and getting streams to just stay online from the cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to uh, troubleshoot that at the moment, and I, I'm I'm not having much luck. But I haven't had much time to look into it this past couple of weeks. That's interesting. So, if you were to choose your time again, you said that Relink was a a problem. What would you go for instead? I'm not sure to be honest. I probably just look online on Reddit and on on the forums and just find the best one. Yeah, kind of find thing. whatever whatever's being recommended at the moment. Yeah, I I think the problem it's just like every technology, right? I think it's there's no best um, into yeah. what kind of fits your use case the yeah. closest. It's which is unfortunate. Like I want everything to be to the tens, but it never happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> Or, or it's like cheap. super expensive. So it was just yeah. cheaper. It was it was an offer on Amazon. I bought one, and I've run that for the past couple of years. But now we've moved house. Sure. We've gone from a middle um, is it middle terrace to end terrace. So mm-hmm. we've got we've gone from having one camera at the front, and that's all we needed to. I think we need four now, um, yeah. and then there's obviously four K streams, and you know you run into H two six four H two six five issues with browsers and. I'm I'm deep into it at the moment, trying to trying to get it figured out. But as soon as it's working, it'll be it'll be absolutely fantastic. So yeah, so I'm guessing. So you've got how many cameras now? Did you say four? So I've currently got four. Yeah, I think there's a fifth probably coming at some point. Wow. So they're all just outside the house. So I've got um, one on front, back, and side, and then one in the shed. Um, yep. Um, because it's a shed slash workshop, um, and mm-hmm. then I want another one just directly pointed at the car. Yeah, nice. Just for the car yeah. alone. And do you have like a dashboard set up to be able to view those cameras in real time? Is that what would be potentially causing streaming issues? So I usually just, I used to use just Frigate, Frigate, mm-hmm. um, I'd just go on Home Assistant, click on the tab, because I used to run it as the Home Assistant add-on. Um, I've since, yep. having to do the pass-through, I've, I've got it as a dock container um, on a separate VM. Um, and since that actually is when the issue started, um, so I might even look at potentially trying to pass it through to Home Assistant instead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm nice. just running it as the add-on. Um, but yeah, I've got Blue Iris as well that just does 24/7 recording, and that's absolutely fine. That's that's yep. solid workhorse. Just never have any issues with it. Um, obviously, it just it, it's it's not free. Yeah, that's the only issue. Right? Yeah, and it runs on Windows, which is a pain. Ooh, okay. Mm. Um, and so you've got what object detection have you got? So you're using 
the corals now to do objects. So you're finding like as soon as it detects a human, are you then saying, okay, mark this as a clip to then get looked at in the future or like so you can search what happened? Like have you got any automation set up? Like if, you know, a person's detected at 3 a.m., um, do this? Like what have you sort of thought about yeah. doing there? So in an ideal world when everything's working, um, it will um, or what it what it did before is what I want it to do still mm-hmm. is it actually sends a HTTP request to Blue Iris. So instead of using, you know, recording twenty four seven on Blue Iris and then using more storage up with mm-hmm. Frigate, um, yeah. I'm just having it mark it as a detection event in nice. Blue Iris, and then I can just go and click on that event, and it just takes me to where it, in that ta- where it was in that timeline. Um, it does do clip. It doesn't do clips. Sorry, it does. Um, I do have it doing uh, snapshots, so that then yep. it can send a notification to my phone at least. Um, nice. But it would do that on all the cameras around the side, and then between certain times in the shed. Yep. So that we're not getting spammed. Yeah, that's great. Nice simple yeah. setup, but yeah. Power of Ethernet cameras. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll power okay. over Ethernet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Not, not not your battery cameras there, Phil. It's uh No, no, no. Like... The benefits of working in IT, I got a, a free network switch, uh POE network switch. Very nice. So nice. that just that just runs everything like a dream. That yeah, helps. They're getting quite cheap now. Like I'm just tempted to buy one. No idea how where how I'd wire them up, but yeah, just getting like so tempting. Yeah. So what uh, what else are you doing in terms of automations? Like, what are your, again some of your favorite ones um, that you have? Uh, my favorite ones are anything to do with um, the cat. Basically, we've just got a cat a couple of months back as well, just before we moved into the new place. Okay. Um, so I've got a um, I've got a cat feeder, uh, auto- automated cat feeder that I bought off Amazon. Um, nice. I'm very much into do things as cheaply as possible as long as it works. Like as long as it works and it's, and it's not expensive. Um, if it starts to not work, it's getting thrown in the bin and I'll go for the more expensive option. But <laughs> if it if it carries on working, then fair enough. Um, I think it cost me like £40 off Amazon, um, just a really basic um, self-contained, it's not Wi-Fi enabled or anything. Sure. Um, you press a button, it'll dispense some food or you can set a timer um, and, and follow that schedule. Um, so I bought that. Um, knowing that it would obviously have motors in it, it'd have a circuit board in it, it'd have some way of being able to control it with an ESP module. Um, so I opened it up, cut all the wires, and wired it up to an ESP module, uh, ran a heat ESP home on it, and essentially all it does is just send five volts to the motor, um, which it has a stop switch on it. Um, so when the motor goes around once, it then triggers the stop switch, which then stops the five volts going through through the relay. Um, and it really is just as simple as that. Um, I want to add a photo um, photo resistor or a light sensor um, in there to detect when there's no food in there eventually. But that's a project yeah. for another day. But that that works so well. Um, she gets fed three times a day and she has done for the past like six months and it's never missed a beat. <laughs> that's nice. perfect. I know it's all self-contained on the module as well. So the schedule actually runs, rather than doing it in Node-RED, it runs directly on the ESP home. So if the Wi-Fi goes down, she still gets fed. Nice. Bit of redundancy there. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a good type of redundancy. You don't want a uh, very angry cat. <laughs> I think the cats have also got like just automated. Um, oh, there she is. Hi, cat. Oh, <laughs> okay. a bit of a sleep. Yeah, yeah. 
Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. For um, cats now, they've got like automated um, kitty litter as well. Like so, because um, I remember like some of them very early episodes, um, like people were talking about, you know, creating like exhaust fans for the kitty litter box. But now I think there's actually commercial products out there you can buy off the shelf and they do that all for you. Yeah. Um, very expensive. Yes. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Like I've seen the ones that ha- that, that are like the, uh, what's it called? Like, the, you know, like the concrete mixer things where it yeah, like, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. through and like all that. Those uh, are like nine, 900 quid off Amazon. Those, those are yeah. insane money, but I really want, I really want it. It's going to have to really? be a purchase at some point. <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, again, it's, it's cool. How much effort does it save you, right? I mean, it's like sometimes it's just worth it just for like, I mean, Phil and I both just got a robot vacuum. Well, I got one a little, a little while ago, but Phil got one not that long ago either. Right? And it's like, is that a really necessary purchase? I mean, I was perfectly fine vacuuming by myself before, but it's just. But now you can't live nice. without it. Yeah, I mean, it's something nice to have. I mean, my wife will still once in a while, she'll still go around and uh, and use the manual vacuum, right? But uh, just because she likes the, I don't know, the, like, where it might miss, like, a corner or something like that in her head. She's like, hey, this is way, way faster and just yeah, point yeah. in time. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I guess I do it too sometimes, but uh, I don't know. It's not too bad. Which, um, which robot vacuum, vacuum did you go for? Out of interest, because uh, that's something I want at some point. I did the D-Bot because it was cheaper. Uh, Phil did the Roborock uh, S7 because the S8 just came out, right? So it's just uh, a wee bit cheaper. They, do they integrate straight into Home Assistant, or did you have to go with that um, Vel, Veltudo, is it? Veltudo? No, so uh, the X1, so mine, the X1 Omni, don't think supports Veltudo. Um, but I just did a third party, third party hacks. Third, yeah, bottom. hacks yeah. thing. What about controlling Home Assistant around the house? Like, how are you controlling Home Assistant? Do you use voice? Have you got tablets on the wall? Like, what's your f- go-to choice there? Uh, eventually, I do want to get a tablet on the wall. I think that's going to be a um, whenever I can get a cheap tablet, a spare tablet from work or something like that. That'd be amazing um always kept the the sort of the mantra of always be able to control the device manually as well as on home assistant 
um, always want to be able to flick a light switch if the Wi-Fi goes down or the or mm-hmm. Zigbee goes down or anything like that. Um, what was the other question? What was sorry the tablet or the yeah? Have you got voice assistants? Um... Oh, that was it. Yeah, voice assistant. Um, got Google Homes around the house. The I don't know if it's just me or if it's everyone, but they are the most unreliable things I've ever ever had. Um, they just <clears> seem to. I don't know if it's the Yorkshire accent. Um, or if it's just like I'm asking too much of it, it just they never ever seem to work. Um, Interesting. The first year I had them, they were they were amazing, um, and it might just be because all I was doing was asking it to turn the light on and off. But yep. you start to get into you know feed you know you set up a routine to you know feed the cat two portions, and all it's doing is clicking a button to you know to send food out twice, and it just seven it seems to never be able to do it. Um, even the most basic questions we ask it, it never works. So I think I'm going to be moving away from them pretty soon. Um, as much as I don't want to, because I'm part, I am fully in the Google ecosystem now. Um, I think it's going to be probably testing the the new Home Assistant um, voice assistant. Nice. Yep. Having a play with that. Um, I haven't looked too much into it. I've I've seen a couple of videos on YouTube, and I've seen the option in in Home Assistant pop up recently. But that that, that looks quite interesting. Yeah, it's uh, there's some cool stuff. It sounds like they're they're working on too. Um, I don't know how it's going to play out in terms of these recordings, but we just had a chat with Mike uh, Hansen yesterday, uh, who is kind of the brains behind the Home Assistant Voice uh, uh, project, right? So, uh, or the Year of the Voice uh, kind of thing. So, it's I'm I'm pretty excited to see where it's going. Um, personally, again, I. Uh, those of you on YouTube can see right behind me. I do have an Amazon Echo, uh, uh, but I'm not beyond getting rid of those if if there's you know if there's something better, right? And uh, absolutely. And then I'm going to DIY it, worse. and I'm sure there'll be an ecosystem, right? Oh, I know. I, I completely agree. There, it's uh, like I think I was saying this uh, in one of our other recordings where it's like mine will just randomly at like three in the morning be like. I didn't catch that. And I was like, that's because everybody's asleep and no one said anything. But I could be like maybe. literally in front of it, like yelling, you know, saying her name and she just won't wake up. Or I'll ask her to set a timer and she just won't do it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> what good are you? That's what I use you for, right? Like she can't set a timer. But yeah. I get yeah. my phone and press buttons like, a, what is this? Mine just yeah. randomly forgets sometimes that I have a YouTube premium subscription. Oh, nice. So I, 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 I ask it to play a song. It's like, you need a YouTube subscription for that. And I'm like, I do have a YouTube subscription. <laughs> <laughs> I get I get unre- unreasonably angry at my Google Homes. My girlfriend does not like it. Yeah, She's like, amazing. calm down. It is an inan- inan- inanimate object. It's a pre-recorded voice. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, He's yeah. doing it on purpose. Let's let's yeah, test the inanimacy when it's hit when it hits the wall, right? Oh, look, it's going off right now. <laughs> I didn't say the word. None of you said the word, and I'm on headphones, no, so it's yeah, it's uh, yeah. There you go. So quality, perfect timing. Um, it's good. <laughs> I love that everybody caught that too. Um, <laughs> I'm not making this up, but uh, but yeah. So I mean, so I mean, speaking of tablet and and voice and stuff, um, today, what is your preferred method? Like, do you? use your phone and all this stuff or do you kind of just automate everything and augment how do you how do you like when when is it that you pull out your phone or visit the home assistant ui 
Uh, at the moment, usually when we go to bed, is is the main, the yeah. main sort of control everything. If we forgot to put turn the bathroom light off, or we forgot to, you know, the outside light still on, or something like that. Uh, but mm-hmm. it used to be all the time. It used to be primarily voice, primarily control everything through phone. But that was when I lived on three floors. Um, yeah. a, a ground floor first and a second, but now we've moved to a bungalow. Everything sort of with arm re- within arm reach. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, every, almost every light switch for every room in the house are all right next to each other on the same wall. Yep. Um, so there's not really much need to you 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 would literally two seconds away from it whenever whenever you need it. So I'm yeah. trying to automate as much as possible. Um, I've ordered a couple of um, motion sensors, um, a couple of car motion sensors. I've currently got one in the workshop, yeah. um, in the in the shed, which is just works flawlessly. It never drops, never loses connection. Beautiful. Um, so if I can get one of them in the in the office, in in this room and in the bathroom, those are the main rooms that I'd want them in. Um, and then everything else would just sort of be location based. Um, I'm trying to get. Um, I'm trying to organize a, a 4G SIM um, that, that just pulls data from my existing phone contract so that I can install it in my car because my car's got an aftermarket Android um, Android Auto system in it. Okay. Um, and you can plug a, a SIM card into it and it has data constantly without having to tether. Nice. Um, so if I can have that run home assistant, which is already installed on it, um, then it can you basically, basically use location tracking on the car. It'd know exactly... As a combination of that plus frigate plus um, connecting to the Wi-Fi, you just you, you'd never get any false positives. Well, as close as possible to never get any false positives for yeah. location tracking. I was going to say never say never, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it, it's that, that actually does sound pretty cool. I mean, do, are you doing any? Uh, I think you may have mentioned this, but again, uh, I may have already forgotten. But uh, are you doing any license plate recognition? I'm not. No, that's. Interesting. Does free does Frigate do that? I don't I don't know if it does. Um, all right. It might do it might do just object detection, but uh yeah, but there are there are a lot of tools out there that would do it. Yeah, I think there was a couple that one that didn't want to get shut down or something. Um or but there was an integration in home business that definitely got taken out. Um, oh really? Yeah. yeah, there's like oh, there's a couple, which was like I think one of them is like open alper um mm. Is that, is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, so I think they got acquired, maybe. Right. And there's not actually a open version, potentially, anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'm guessing that would be a matter of you know, that it recognizes that my license plate is my license plate. I pull onto the driveway and knows that I'm home, etc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So it says, okay, based on this, this is who is here kind of thing, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And then... And or like, you know, if you have multiple vehicles, then it's like, okay, car one, car two, that kind of thing, right? And how it's That's parked. Cool, actually. Yeah, it's there. Um, I think this one, you can, I've seen people that build their own. Um, how much effort is it? I don't know. It might be more effort than it's worth. Um, yeah. And it's also, it's, it's, I don't know. I also think it's good to you, again, even when you have, if you have your friend's license plates, not person, stuff like that, I'd be like, Hey, Phil is here or like whatever. Right. And yeah. that kind of thing too. So I have something cool. And, or if there's ever an event where you need from a security perspective, you've, you're also automatically capturing license plates. Yeah. Right. So there's yeah, some, definitely that's uh, probably something to add to the home assistant to-do list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, how much will the caption that license plate help? Maybe, maybe not, but 
Well, it's, it's just add as many variables in as possible, and then you get the best result. Yeah, uh, you know all these yeah. different you know detection methods will pipe into and in, in, at the end of the day you get one notification that is hopefully as accurate as possible. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, yeah. How are you getting notified on your phone at the moment? Like, how does something grab your attention? Because I have so many notifications from Home Assistant. It would hard. Uh, how would I know? Like which one is like an emergency one unless I'm setting up like a, yeah. a notification channel. Have you gone down to that level or anything? Yeah. So I've got the generic, you know, generic notifications just pushed push through from home assistant. Um, I've got custom icons set up on the notifications with custom images and custom text. And then the, the really important ones, like for example, someone rings the doorbell um, or someone goes past the front garden zone into the side garden zone, then into the, the back garden zone. Um, then it's like a can't remember the terminology used in the 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 JSON because um, I use Node Red for my automation. Um, mm-hmm. But I, so I'm, that's how I push the the notification through Home Assistant. Um, it's what's it called now? I um, mean, basically where he like bypasses everything on you, any setting on your phone related to silencing yes, and, yeah. and vibration, and it will speak out loud um, that you know there is someone in the back garden or uh, there cool. is. Um, someone is at the door for example um and then um also pushes a photo and a video through as well nice and then do you have any ability to take action on that like if you did to see that is it simply just call 999 or do you have like a siren that you can trigger i used to have it the whole the old place but i haven't set it up here yet um it was basically it turned everything on and 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 start the start everything flashing yeah. red and please i had some light bulbs that could do a police effect so you do that and um i had a couple of quite funny sounds that come through the google homes like intruder alert and then like a countdown timer with a bomb that's going to go off and stuff <laughs> yes, like that yeah that's awesome um and then um, the other actions would be like you know if like if, if there's a parcel can you please leave that in the back garden at this specific location and stuff like yeah. Okay. So, have you got it to detect that, like, a delivery driver has packed, uh, dropped off something at your house, and then give me like instructions, or is that something you'd want to get to to be able to do that? That's something I'd like to do. Is like package detection. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it's just just standard. There is a person there, yep. um, and I just have the button always there, just in case it is a delivery person. Yeah. Most of the time, it is. Um, but if I could do like, or like free it has detected a parcel yep. a package that would be amazing but is that possible I know some of the ring cameras are doing that now um especially with their yeah. like yeah. top to bottom view they'll detect you know if a parcel's been left um then they can send you a notification yeah. so you know packages arrived there's there's a lot of them that uh that do it now actually i think most like ring i think the ubiquity ones i think a lot of those do parcel detection um but Again, how well do they work is yeah. <laughs> that may be another story, right? It's uh, how many false positives do you get through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's or or it's how much does it actually capture in a sense that, like, I think I mentioned this on one of our previous episodes where uh, we went on vacation and uh, our our neighbor was luckily picking up our packages and stuff like that, but uh, we caught the delivery person putting in the put putting the package down. Fast forward, the package is missing, and there's nothing in between that it's captured, right? Oh, wow. And it's like, 
Um, now it was winter, so it was pretty cold. So I don't know if it <laughs> dipped below like the acceptable operating temperature or anything like that. I don't believe it did. I think it was like minus two or something like that Celsius. Um, and I think it's rated for like minus 30 or something. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is only rated for zero, but, uh, yeah. So that was kind of scary. Right? And I was like, oh, what yeah. happened? Luckily I used one of my outdoor cameras to go in and look and I could see my neighbor walking up and grabbing the package. And I was like, okay, that's, that's good. It's fine. Right. Like it's, yeah, it's, uh, it wasn't somebody else, but. So oh. when you have that button there to say, you know, please leave the package here. What does that execute? Like, is there a speaker outside that can be, is playing a message or have you got that configured? I would like there to be. Um, I've got some ceiling speakers that I'd like to install in the, mm-hmm. um, I don't know the, the sort of the building term for it. It's like the, the lip around the roof hangs yep. over. Yep. Like um, Eve. Eve, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd like just a small ceiling speaker to be put up in there. Cause I mean, they're only cheap. If then if the, if they get water damaged, I can easily replace them. But, Currently, it's just a Google Home that it, it, the automation basically sets it to full volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and all we always leave the windows on the latch just to let fresh air in because um, um, moisture and, and, and mold buildup in the UK is quite a problem, especially mm-hmm. in older houses if you don't ventilate it properly. Um, so usually they can hear it. If they've already started walking around the side of the house, there's no way they'd hear it. But mm-hmm. nine, nine times out of ten, they can, they'll hear it and then... If I can see them on the camera, sort of like going towards the window to what was that? I'd play it again. Nice. I can watch, watch them live, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool. Honestly, another cool thing I've done with the cat um, automation is um, I like to, as much as possible, like I said before, buy things cheap and made them from, from dumb into smart devices. Um, obviously, you buy purpose-made things they're going to probably going to have a subscription or a connection mm. to the cloud or something um mm-hmm. so i bought a really cheap and um, when it because we got her during winter it was really cold um and she actually had fleas when we got her as well so there was a, a, a chance of her um getting um what's the word not pneumonia um anemic um so oh, yeah. i wanted to keep her as warm as possible um so i got a little it's like a I don't know, like maybe ten inch by ten inch heated mat that you just plug straight into the mains, um, and it's we have switches in the UK on our on our what on our, directly next to our socket, so you switch it on, switch it off. Um, so I've had that got that plugged into a Zigbee. Uh, sorry, at the time it was a Wi-Fi switch, um, and then I repurposed the printer the Zigbee switch um, to a now what is now a cat bed switch, right. um, and then I've got an ESP module. And I bought a. Um, like a pressure pad so that it goes under like a car seat. Okay. Um, I think I saw the idea online, actually. I, I will not take credit for this whatsoever. Um, that's just connected kind of straight to the SPA module, um, and it basically just sends a on or off signal, which then turns the, the, the bed on or off so it can detect whether she's actually on the bed or not so that it's not using energy constantly. That's um, cool. And then, yeah, when she steps off the bed, 15 minutes goes by, it turns off, she comes back, and she eventually learned that she could do that and she just now, whenever she goes into the bed, she's on there for hours. That's awesome. <laughs> it's good that the pressure right. sensor is sensitive enough to be able to pick that weight up too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not too sensitive either, so like it wouldn't trigger until she's fully on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tested it by putting a couple of light objects on it first, and then something roughly about her size 
and it just she happened to just be at the right way they triggered it pro- they triggered it straight away right um the she'd get into sort of um weird positions like right on the corner of it and then they wouldn't trigger um but like i said eventually she learned that she had to sit in the middle of the bed and then it would trigger that's nice, nice. well it's, it's almost like you got to train for that right like it's yeah she she knows it's there that's right that's funny um so how much like in terms of like diying and stuff like that do you do you sounds like you do a little bit with uh esp home and or esps in general and like those kind of things have anything anything interesting that's that you've built that uh that you want to share um i guess my coffee machine is a is a good one um that i'm on version three of the coffee machine at the moment um the first two didn't go so well um okay. the first one exploded oh that's um good um luckily it was nothing to do with what the changes that i made to it yeah it was just a really cheap really rubbish coffee machine just like a uh, filter um uh, like drip machine um really standards i like to integrate things as much as possible so if i'm going to make any changes to it i want to Make sure that all the 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 you know the WeMOS D1 Mini that I'm putting in it actually mm-hmm. fits inside the existing housing. Um, the relays that, that that I use or the octo couplers all fit inside the products. Um, I don't want loose wires or loose electronics hanging out. I want it to look pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the machine I bought, I was able to put all that inside of it, and I had just a relay wired to the ma- the mains coming into the machine. Um, and then that would flick on or off, and it would just turn the coffee machine on or off. But eventually, it just died and exploded, and put and sent coffee all over the kitchen. Oh. Um, I bought a so I moved from that and I went to a Tassimo pods coffee machine. Okay. Um, so you just buy the pods, put them in, and that was a bit more complicated because you've got a barcode scanner um, in the machine, and it's got must have like a pre-existing database built into the machine to know which pods. You know, dispense for milk and dispense for coffee and etc. Um, so that was hmm. a D1 mini module with a relay um, for turning the. This is before I could discovered I could use an octo coupler to push a button. Um, to push a button, quote unquote. <laughs> um, so I use a relay to press the button, turn it on or off. Uh, uh, one for the lid to know that the lid was closed. So that would use a push button to send a signal to the D1 Mini, which would then send a signal to the to the relay to tell the machine the lid is closed. Yeah, that works really well, to be honest. For for a while, again, it just got to the point where it, the cheap machines, the the cost next to nothing, it just broke. Um, so now I've got again back to a sort of fairly cheap but slightly more expensive um, actual coffee machine with an actual like thing that you put coffee in and and twist it, and I can't remember what the cost. But again, that's just a simple on or off um, yeah. relay built in, less complicated. But it works really well. And I've got, an, uh, it's actually an espresso machine, so it only dispenses so much coffee at a time. So if I want a full coffee, I have a Node Red automation that has to turn it on for 30 seconds, turn it off and let it heat up for 60 seconds, then oh, turn God. it on another three times yeah, yeah, to yeah, get yeah. a full cup. <laughs> wow. And how that are you complex. putting that into a routine? Like, how are you, like, is this part of like when you walk into the kitchen in the morning, it knows, all right, make you a coffee? Or is this like purely just for voice command, you know, make me a coffee and it knows what to do? So you can do it via voice command or I've got a, um, 
I've just got like a little sort of dashboard. It's got its own page on Home Assistant, which just pops yep. up when you when you press the coffee button. Um, so I've got the manual control from that aspect. But then if I want to have a coffee in the morning, I have an automation set up to do all that. But I actually have to press a button to say, I want a coffee. And then mm-hmm. I've got an input time to say, I want it at this time. And it'll look to see if it is that time. And if it is, it'll trigger. Right. Nice. Just keep things as simple as possible. I tried doing all the automated, um, you know, make me a coffee every single morning at this specific time. But then I ran into, I'd walk, wake up, walk downstairs and there'd be coffee all over the kitchen floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I forgot to put a cup there the night before. Whoops. Yes. Yeah, of course. And then you go into like the, oh, should I then do a detection to make sure there's a cup there? Do I get a camera there? Exactly. With some OCR, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's another pressure sensor to be purchased for that. That is, yeah. uh, that is actually a future project that I want to do, but I'm struggling go. to find one cheap enough and small enough for just a cup. Mm. So, yeah, in your original email you sent to us, um, you mentioned that you can thank Home Assistant for your job. Like, how does that work? Because I'm sure there's a few people that would yeah. love to do the same. Yeah, so it's now a previous job. Um, I've I've moved on from that company. Um, obviously, the waiting list for this podcast mm. is a while. And um, <laughs> in that year, in that year, I had a year's career at the company, and I've since left. Um, so, if my manager's listening to this podcast, who gave me the job because of Home Assistant, um, sorry, we didn't leave on bad terms, <laughs> on good terms. Um, but basically, I've got in in my CV in, in, um, for when I'm applying for jobs that Home Assistant is a hobby along with it. Um, I work in IT, obviously, so it's 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 of interest to some people. Um, Going on onto a video interview, much like this, what we're doing now, um, with a company, the only place I've ever worked outside of my hometown, um, in, the, in a city about an hour away. And um, it was quite daunting because I managed my own IT department and I was moving, I was transitioning away from that back to sort of like the corporate IT life. Yeah. Um, so I interviewed with them for um, to just be a first, second line help desk um, technician. Sure. And um, it was a bit of a downgrade, but it was I was, it was something I was ready for. Um, but when I interviewed with them, they brought up home assistant, and the, the what who ended up end, ended up becoming my manager actually mentioned that he uses home assistant. So he instantly, obviously, clicked and started talking about it. And his boss, who was also in the interview, just sort of took a back seat. Um, <laughs> And for three quarters of the interview, I just basically shared my screen and watched them through all my YAML code for for Home Assistant. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, I had a really custom dashboard with um, you know really fancy, um, soft looking buttons on the dashboard and stuff like that. That was all CSS code that I'd copied and pasted from someone else's code yeah, online. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we spent an hour basically just talking about Home Assistant. Um, eventually, they, they actually offered me the job on the spot without a second stage interview because Ooh, nice. of that. Um, and they offered me the job of an infrastructure engineer rather than a service test technician. So it was awesome. a signi- significant pay bump. Um, and it meant you know I could work from home. It, I didn't have to come into the office as much. And I had more responsibility. I was project-based rather than, you know, ticket base and stuff like that mm, right. um, so it was a it, uh, it was actually a massive opportunity which has sort of led me to the career i'm doing now um it allowed me to to progress quite a bit in my career um and it was completely thanks to home assistant 
That's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, that is really cool. I always love yeah, hearing uh, stories like that, like, you know, when your hobby can sort of, you know, have an impact outside of just, you know, the hobby side of life, right? Like careers and, and all that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that goes to say too, right? Like, I mean, for, I mean, all of us and then people in the community too, right? I mean, if if you're that involved in it or if you do that much, even in your own home kind of thing, might be worth throwing in, in your resume or CV, right? So, yeah, absolutely. I'd if if you've done even the most basic stuff with it, if it's if it's something yeah. you look at, you know, even monthly, even once a month, uh, you you have a tinker with Home Assistant. Absolutely, put it in your CV because it shows yeah. at the very least that you have an interest in it and in, in, an interest in in IT. If it's if that's yeah. what you're pursuing, it's a job yeah. in IT. Um, but obviously, it opens doors to other hobbies as well, like you know, electronics and. Yep. Messing with ESP modules and building your own stuff and even coding. I've, I've heard a lot of people on this podcast code yeah. their own, you know, programs to to work with Home Assistant. That's something that I'll probably never do, but I, it's something that I'd love to do if yeah. I had the the mental capacity to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just shows you you work with a lot of these different technologies. It shows that you have an interest in trying to figure out how things work, right? So yeah. Absolutely. I, mean, I think at some point, every single person, whether they're super technical or not, at some point has been like, how does this actually do this? <laughs> when they use Home Assistant, right? Like it's, uh, but opens up that interest even more. Absolutely. Right. So I think, I think, you know, that, and then for people hiring, that might be something good to look towards too, right? Uh, for your employees. So, yeah, definitely. I know for a fact if I was hiring in the future, then the, the, you know, that's the first thing I'd look at is, you know, I'm not going to, I'm never going to ask you to work outside of a working hours, but what do you do outside working hours? Do you have an active interest in it or is this just a job? Yeah. Is it a, yeah. is, is it a love or is it, is it a passion or is it just a wage at the end of the day? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Both right. is fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of times it's also like people put like, oh, I enjoy like running and this kind of things, which is fine, but it's, it's, this may be relevant to a job that you're like, it's an interest that's relevant to a job that you're uh, applying for potentially. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to that previous manager. I'll wish you all the best. There you go. There it is. Oh, good. I think it's fantastic. All right. Well, and Christian, thank you so much for hopping on and uh, spending the time with us and, you know, chatting with us so really appreciate that it's been a pleasure thank you very much all right cheers cheers if you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io that's h-a-s-s podcast.io the home assistant podcast is hosted by phil hawthorne and myself rohan karamandi For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.